I'm gonna make him an offer again. I feel the need, the need for Steve. He's watched every movie more than once. He's Stephen Fennick. Go ahead, make my day. He's watched the latest Disney movies with his kids, uh, but that's about it. He's Trevor Long. You talking to me? Together they bring you the best movies you've never seen. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Rent BioStream, the latest and greatest movies on Fetch. Say hello to my little friend! The best movies you've never seen. The first rule of Fight Club is... You do not talk about Michael. With Stephen Fennick and Trevor Long. This is the captain. Brace for impact. Hello, welcome to another episode of the best movies you've never seen. My name is Stephen Fennick and I'm joined by my movie challenged friend, Trevor Long. How are you, mate? Movie challenged. I love it. That's that's uh, that's the best description of me you could have for this show, isn't it? I am I'm movie challenged uh, for my entire life. It's uh, so the the title of the of the podcast is all about you, but I like to think that the what we talk about in the movie it gives you a new way to watch the movie. So we're talking about stuff that you might not have seen, you might not have noticed. So even if you have seen the movie, you are going to learn a lot about what we talk about. And this week is another favorite of mine. It's the Planet of the Apes. You, by the way, to our our dear listeners, our new listeners, we've been doing a podcast called Two Blokes Talking Tech for 10 years. And Stephen, at one point we did do our best movies of all time. And this, Stephen, was at the very top of your list. Very, very, it, it very was close five. to the yeah. top, mate. Top right. five. It's in my top five movies of all time. Yep. It was released in 1968. It was actually released the week before I was born in cinemas. So <laughs> Sorry, was I was going to make a joke. <laughs> okay, don't go there, mate. 1968, I know it's an old movie, but you know what? It holds up. It's based on the Pierre Boulle novel, and this was the novel was called, uh, I think Monkey Planet was the novel's name, but Pierre Boulle is also the author of Bridge on the River Kwai, which I'm sure you've heard of that movie. Oh, I've heard of it, yes. He, he's the author of that novel. This stars Charlton Heston. You know, Charlton Heston, superstar actor from, you know, the Ten Commandments, uh, the, the El Cid. He's been in all these blockbusters. The, the He's been a, quite a name in Hollywood. was directed by Franklin J. Schaffner and was uh, took it was in production for a little while, but we'll talk more about that a little bit later. I want to know what you knew of this movie, right? So your impressions before you saw this, you knew of it, you knew I'd been speaking about it. So what going in, what did you expect and did it meet those expectations? I know nothing. That was what I came into this with, literally. I Obviously, I assumed there was going to be a lot of apes. Um, I assumed the place would be ravaged by apes. But I have literally no perspective of what this is. Is it, um, is it, apes ravage this planet is it another planet of apes i literally mate 
no idea, which yeah. was, to me, generally fascinating because I'm watching such an old movie and I'm ignoring what I might normally look at in terms of, you know, things like the modern movie techniques and CGI and all that stuff and just trying to trying to captivate myself with this story. So I'm... Yeah, this is not well, on one well, I would normally watch, to be very clear. So it is an older movie, and yeah, you mentioned not something you would normally have on the list to watch, but how did you feel of watching it, knowing that it's such an old movie, the quality of the like the makeup and all the prosthetics, that, that was ahead of its time, in my opinion. Did that, did that sort of look old? Did that age for you, or did that look okay? I think, I'm going to say 60% of it was brilliant in terms of keeping its age to now. Um, the other 40% was just clearly they did what they could at the time, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think, I think yeah, I, I agree with you. You always talk about how it holds up well, and I agree with you. This thing has held up very well. Well, it was in development for quite a few years. They bought the rights to the novel many in the early 60s, and this this wasn't in cinemas till 1968. Uh, it went through several ad- adaptations for the script. They brought in Rod Serling to to – tinker with the script he ended up co- co-writing it with michael wilson rod serling for those who know that name he was the creator of the twilight zone Do you remember those shows the where there was uh always sort of this sort of uh twist in the end twist in the tail kind of story so he he was brought on board this movie was the sixth highest grossing film of 1968 so it was fairly successful spawned four sequels and two tv series we'll talk about them a little bit later but the, the thing I reckon the biggest risk for this movie was, and I asked, that's why I asked you earlier about the makeup and the prosthetics, because the early makeup tests for this were awful. And I've seen them. You can see them on the special features of the Blu-ray. Uh, you can find them. The, they had James Brolin was, was playing Cornelius. They also had Edward G. Robinson playing Dr. Zayas, and they were laughable. The makeup that they, they came up with was mm. terrible. So it was saved by John Chambers. He came in, ended up winning an, an Academy Award for Outstanding Makeup. That, and that, this was a, a special honorary Oscar because makeup and wasn't a category of the Oscars back then. So right. it's since become a category, and he won it. It was just remarkable. He really saved it. The producers were terrified that audiences were going to laugh, but his uh, prosthetics were really ahead of their time. So you've you've now seen it. You had you, you you told us your impression beforehand. Now that you've seen it, what are your impressions now after that first watch? Um, I was very impressed with it. Um, the storyline is captivating the the whole way through. Um, you know, it, it's it's a good movie. I like I I struggle to to give it the same level of of I guess rating and support as you have, but that's because I don't think I can appreciate it from its age. Yeah, I appreciate the story through through the whole thing. Um, and I absolutely th- man, I want to watch this with Jackson. Put it that way, my fifteen year old who's getting in all the marvels and all that stuff. Yeah, I want to watch this with him before he gets um spoiled into perhaps the newer more, more modern version of it, which which we might talk about later. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. There are there there are the four sequels I mentioned. That uh, they, they they did do a retake of it with James Franco in in the in the lead in the lead roles, but I've uh, I I what this is the hundredth time I've seen this movie, um, and I I too like you. I love introducing this movie like to, to yourself and mm. to my kids. I, I love watching it with them. Because I, 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 as I said, I really enjoyed this movie. So if you're going to do your tweet, mate, what's your tweet going to say with this one? Look, I think um, I think my tweet needs to accept 
the age uh, of the movie, but throw people into the the, the storyline and and simply say, don't be put off by the age of this movie. You're in for a you're in for a wild ride, all the way to the end. Right. So give it a chance is what is sort of the yeah. that's what I'm hearing. Give it a chance. Spot on. Spot on. Love to hear that. Well, the the cast the cast of this film was uh, was. Pretty well known. Charlton Heston, as I said, was massive star at the time. Can I just say something about that? And yeah. and you're going to hate this, but I wouldn't recognise Charlton Heston in a lineup. Really? Okay? You've never seen no. Charlton Heston. You've never seen he, the Ten Commandments or Ben Hur. No. See, this is this is we need to give people this perspective, and this will frustrate many people. But this, I when um, I think at some point, like I paused at the start, going, I'm going to get I'm going to get a drink and set myself up, um, and I thought to myself, I don't know. Which one of these blokes is Charlton Heston? <laughs> and it wasn't until obviously through the movie you've got one guy is the main lead dude. That's when I went, oh, that's him, obviously. Okay. But that's you, that's that's what's you, funny about this kind of, you know, um, iconic character. <laughs> I had no idea. So did you? Know, but he's also very obviously he's known as an actor. But did you know he was a very famous member of the NRA, the National Rifle Association? Oh wow! Did you know that? I think I'd he's heard that. Fam- yeah. He famously held up a rifle in, at one rally, saying, "Out of my cold dead hand." He was a he yes. was a head of the uh, not head of the NRA, but a member of the NRA. Yeah. Uh, as I said before, I've watched this movie so many times. I've picked up so many other things in in the rewatches, mm. and I, I like it a little bit more. Because it holds up today, like in terms of not the, not just the quality of the film, but also its themes, the premise of the movie. Um, each and as I said, I love it when other people enjoy it as well. On my recommendation, yeah. as I see that you have as well. <laughs> but uh, casting wise, so Charlton Heston, uh, massive star at the time. Roddy McDowell, who plays Cornelius, he was mainly a TV actor. Known he, his other signature role, apart from this, was uh, he was in that eighties horror movie Fright Night. Is uh, what. Roddy McDowell was in Kim Hunter, who plays Zira, Cornelius's partner in the film. She actually won the Best Supporting Actor for A Streetcar Named Desire. You know, in the I don't know, you've probably not seen this movie, but when Marlon Brando yells out "Stella," she plays. I don't know that Stella. from Seinfeld. There Stella! Yeah, there you know that from Seinfeld. <laughs> well, she played Stella in a Streetcar Named Desire. Won an Oscar. Maurice Evans was was played Doctor Zayas. And the, if you Google these people, right, you'll see, you'll recognize them. Despite them being under this massive makeup, you'll know, you'll recognize their eyes and their mannerisms. Yeah, right. You'll see, you'll see who they are. I've got a, I've got a cracking a character, that, an actor that's in this movie that you know. I'll tell you about him later. I'm saving him okay. for later. Okay. But uh, this is the point of the podcast where we're going to get into some me- the memorable scenes. So this is what we call the last exit before the freeway. And if you haven't seen the Planet of the Apes, and don't forget, this is the 1968 version. There is a, We'll talk about the 2001 version with Mark Wahlberg. In my opinion, pretty poor movie, but this is the 1968 version. If you do want to, if you haven't seen it before, you can watch it through Fetch. I just want to say um, we'll probably have to put the nineteen six the, the the newer version on the, on the list at some point just to see whether maybe or not I actually yeah. prefer maybe the newer to the older. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, you may you might be you might like that one. But you're right. I uh, fired up the fetch box and uh, searched across all the streaming platforms for uh, for Planet of the Apes. Made sure I was watching the nineteen sixty eight version. And the beautiful thing about fetch is you can watch uh, shows that you subscribe to via streaming platforms. You can rent and buy movies. There's I think nearly ten thousand movies. That 
that you can rent and buy on Fetch. Plus, there's the uh, the Movie Box, which is a bunch of movies that they simply put up every month for their subscribers to watch for free, which is a great way to enjoy just a whole range of movies. So rent, buy, try everything you want on Fetch, and they're the proud sponsors of the best movies you've never seen. Right, we're gonna we're gonna plow into the memorable scenes. So here's your last chance. If you haven't watched the movie, you might want to do that and come back. But if you have watched the movie, strap in. We're gonna talk oh. about the memorable scenes. And speaking of strapping in, I think we've got to start the the spaceship sequence. So they're in the the first scene of the film is they're in a spaceship. You're, you're probably thinking, oh, I could just imagine what you thought. <laughs> what the hell is this? Where are the apes? Planet of the apes? They're in a spaceship, and you're well, thinking, no, what am I, I watching here? As soon as they were in the spaceship, I thought to myself, okay, they're they're in space. The pl- that was so remember earlier. I mentioned I didn't know what it was and, you know, whether this planet was some – so that was the point where, okay, they're off to see what's out there, yeah. right? They're in a space journey. I also thought, no wonder, no wonder Fennec likes this thing. He's, uh, you know, they're immediately <laughs> in a spaceship. <laughs> but it was the point where I felt the, the movie was most dated, I'll okay. be honest, yeah. because I watched it and I'm, you know, on a 75-inch, you know, a modern TV looking at it going, so the acoustic padding I have in my studio for podcasting <laughs> in white – is what they've got around the roof and walls of this spaceship. Wow. It was, do you know what? It was just, it was very clearly, uh, uh, you know, not real. And that was the that was yeah. the only thing that, that struck okay. me at that point. But my, my point about that's that's in that forty percent. That yeah. that really was put to the side once they once they moved into the next phase of the movie. Okay, well, the, the what I like about that scene is that there's a little bit of exposition going on. They, they talk. He talks about how long they've been away. And he's talking about the Hess line theory about the further we travel through time, uh, through uh, at light speed away from the Earth, then the number amount of years that pass it, it grows exponentially. So, mm. he, for every, I think they they were away for when when they when the the, the the next part of this sequence is them crashing on this planet of the apes. Yep. And he looks at the time uh, the time reading. And there's near like two thousand years have passed on yes. Earth since they've launched. So, and I think that that to me, I also looked at that and when it felt like one of those Back to the Future moments. You know, a lot of the the key moments from Back to the Future are um, signaled around that dashboard that has yeah. times. You know, where are they going from and to? And I yeah. I immediately pegged that. Um, I spent you know I, I made sure that I turned up the volume and listened to him. You know, with his kind of vocal diary note talking because I knew there'd be cues in there. There'd be things they were bringing into this and. Looking at that time frame was a critical thing because obviously then you, you move to a point where where they they crash and all this happens and you realise they have aged, um, yeah. but but only in in a certain way. Especially the death of of the of the female member of the crew kind of created that aging perspective, didn't yeah. it? Because um, I think Stuart, she'd been yeah. she'd been dead a year. She'd been dead a year. That's right. And uh, the the other thing I like about too is that right away you 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 peg Taylor, which is Charlton Heston's character as trying to seek something better. I think what memory during that scene yeah. he says, surely out there must there has to be some something better than man. So you, that, you could tell a, he was it was a really because you think about the kind of statements that are made today, 2020, 2021, you know, people with these, you know, bold visions for a better humanity, better mankind and all those things. And you realize this is 1968. Yeah. And it's scripted into the very introduction of a Hollywood movie that there should be a better mankind, there should be a better place, and there yeah. should be a better way of treating each other. That was, I thought, that was a really interesting, but not yeah. overt thing. Do you know what I mean? 
Well, it but, sort of laid the platform for the film in my time. I mean, well, my mind, in the end, it said, spoiler right alert, it, you know, yeah. it really came into its own at the very end, right? Exactly. But, we'll talk I about think, that in depth yeah, later. I think for me, you remember I mentioned, you know, that, that scene dated the movie. But then the aerial shots of the landscape just made me go, this is epic. Yeah. Like, I looked at it and went, okay, so this this is not CGI. They've found somewhere on the planet to film this because – this is in no way fake. Like today, know, yeah, it was in it was Lake Powell, which is sort of in near, part of the Grand Canyon. I think is it Lake Powell? It's sort of a, today. It, it, I would Arizona, believe that was just Utah. CGI. But yeah, they but, used all different settings: Utah, Arizona, Lake Powell. For but, you know, all those scenes, the, the, the flights there. over, they were doing these fun tricks. You could tell, you know, although yep. they were using planes or helicopters, you could tell they were they were trying to do different things rather than just fly over or fly in. They yep. were trying to make it a little bit more dramatic as well mm. with both music. And yep. the way it was shot. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the music too. Oh, that's one of my favourite parts of the movie. The music is so different. The the, the music, yeah. the, the different parts of the film. There's all they. I understand they even used um, stainless steel cutlery and plates and things to create some of the sounds in the movie. So it's a little unusual. But the aerial shots, they actually strapped a, a camera to a biplane. You know those old. See, that's biplanes. what I, I didn't feel yeah, like so a helicopter. So that me. it could do a it could do a three sixty degree turn in midair. You yeah. know how they do yeah. those the, those stunt pilots. That's how they got that shot. But um, so you you like that scene that they get to shore and they land and plants the little U.S. flag. Yeah. That was a. What did you think of that? And and what so, what's Taylor's reaction? <laughs> well, he was like he was cynical in a sense, wasn't he? He was looking at his going. What? Like he wanted just to move on. It's like right, let's get going. But here's here's the important moment where where this guy goes, okay, I've got to I've got to do this. You know, marking and you think about exploration of space and the you know the moment of the the flag goes on the moon is critical and so it felt important. But what was interesting to me was it had apart from that kind of. Uh, sim- symbolism, it actually had no impact on the rest of the movie. Like, it wasn't like it was ever revisited in any way. Uh, that was that was fascinating. To well, me. It, to me, it showed Landon was obviously, he's a patriot, you know, and and during that, that from then on, the tailors sort of gives him, goes, you know what, I'll clue you in why you decided to join this mission. And he said, yeah. you know, you were the top of your class, you didn't want to let people down, and, and then – Landon turned around and goes, well, why can't I read you? Because I think Landon then revealed just how, just how he was sort of just so unhappy with, with how life was turning out, not just, not his own life, but just mankind in general. I think this was his, his passport out of the place to, to hopefully, as he said, find something better. And, you know, and then they're, then they're on this exploration. They're on this, right, we've got to get going. We've got to get moving. And you do have this sense of, these guys are dead. Like there's nothing around. They're in. They're in big trouble here. But then they come across these huge kind of X's. But they've clearly got something draped on them. And I think one of them either refers to them or I immediately went, "What are they? Scarecrows? Like it's yeah. it's a very strange sight up on up on a cliff face." But it it also immediately gave you the the realization that this this was inhabited. There were people. Yeah. Or, or there was being. Well, that's when you started seeing planet. the, the, the little people running natives around. and 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 the, the, those scarecrows turned out to be, and we'll find out later in the movie that they had they were entering from the forbidden zone. So those scarecrows indicated the boundary mm. from within of that's the start of the forbidden zone. They were walking in from the forbidden zone. Yeah. So uh, that that plays a big part in the in the rest of the movie as well. And then the next part is, of course, the the they see these primitive these mute humans. They have a swim. Their clothes get stolen. Then they're in the in the fields where they're they're stealing the corn and dropping the fruit out of the tree to eat. 
and then the hunt begins. And this is our first glimpse. You know what? This is 30 minutes in by now. Yeah, it is. The it first is. glimpse of the apes. How, well, do, that, how that did that go for I'm shock thinking, value for you? Well, because when, when I saw the mute humans, um, I'm thinking, wait, okay, wow, this is uh, apes 30 minutes in. Are these going to evolve into apes? Like this is the point where my mind's racing. Like, what the heck's going on? This is clearly not a planet of the apes. I loved Landon's line. Landon says, boy, do we got off at the wrong stop. <laughs> and then Charlton Heston, turned, well, Taylor turns around and goes, well, if this is the best they got, we're going to be running this place in six months. So that's, that was his, that typified his attitude, Taylor, right there. But the hunt, then the apes turn up. They start shooting people, trying to capture the humans because they're stealing their crops. Yes. And uh, we see there that a lot happens here. Dodge gets killed. He gets shot and killed. Taylor gets shot in the neck. Even Landon himself lands a head injury, and it's all, all, all sort of, it all comes together with you see these apes walking. The, all the all the dead humans are all gathered. The the ones they've captured are in the wagon, and then they take a photo, and that's the first time you hear them speak. He says, "Smile," because and this is sort of the part where where Taylor goes, "What the hell's happening here?" And then he passes out. So again. This is madness to you and nearly everyone listening. But this is the this to me is almost along the Luke, I am your father point because it's like whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so hang on. There's apes. They're in charge. There's humans who don't speak. The apes are speaking. The apes have got horses and weapons. What the what the heck is going on? Like it's literally yeah. a moment in where you are sat upright. I can imagine being in a movie theater going whoa, whoa wait a minute. You know, yeah. we've what's I've got to understand yeah. what's happening here. Yeah. Because remember at the start when you I remember you, you remember you sent me the picture of the the, the screenshot of you saying look look what I'm watching and what I remember my reply to you I said pay attention you got to pay attention that early part yeah so that 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 information comes in handy later but it does and I think that's this is a movie that um it's actually what's the length it didn't feel too just long. under two hours yeah just under two hours right yeah. so it wasn't as bad as The Godfather lengthwise yeah but they packed a lot into it I felt like it was. It, it was nonstop. Even though that first thirty minutes that we've just talked about is a long time, it's it's quite a good setup of a lot of little things. Mm. But then you've got this thought in your mind, and again, you don't remember this thought, but it's what the hell's going on? And then there are they are they just killing them? Are they taking them away? Are they captive? What's happening? And then you get to this point where you, I think you you see a blood transfusion going on. You go, yeah. okay, what are they doing here? Are they? I'm trying to understand. Are they looking after them? Or are they taking blood from them before they kill? Like it's literally, I have no idea what's going on because it felt like a, it felt like the hospital in 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 twenty four in the CTU. They're all downstairs in this you know isolated little unit. It, yeah. I didn't know what was going on. Well, they say when we land, um, Taylor's getting a blood transfusion from who we find out is Nova, the one of the other natives that were captured, mm. and uh, the doctor that's performing the transfusion. He says, "Oh, this beast has lost a lot of blood." And then that's this is the first time we see uh, Zira come in. She she's an animal psychologist, and she's the one who's was told that. Well, who's the one we're wearing the strange clothes? And remember, she calls it bright eyes. He's yes. what, bright. He goes, what, he's trying to pretend to talk, and, uh, and the bright eyes things comes from the fact that she sees his eyes light up because he's hearing her. Whereas yeah, the others, he, he is fairer. He had fairer hair, like blonder hair, light, like blue eyes instead of everyone else has brown yep. eyes. But I think she oh, also yeah. talks about how she thinks he's responding, you know, because mm. obviously all the other mute humans are, are not understanding what the apes are saying. No. Whereas these guys, 
actually know what's going on. And so that's why I think not only are his eyes a different color, but he's, course. he's literally yeah. lit up because he's paying attention. I think he was, a, that sort of leads us to the next scene where he's sort of t- talking about, oh, here, he's, he can pretend to speak. And they, they, Dr. Zayas says, oh, it's like human mimicry. It's a, he's just copying. But the, the part that I like is when a, a little bit further into the movie where not long after where he, he grabs Zira and writes and, and takes her note, her pattern yes. pen and writes the note and says, writes on the note, my name is Taylor. And then that leads into the scene where she takes him to see Cornelius and he's writing all the notes saying about who he is and where he's from. And remember he makes the paper plane. Yes. And he talk about, yes, flight. That's a physical, it's impossible, scientific impossibility. And so they're trying to, he, he's trying to, convince them of, of where he came from by writing out these notes. And, and they, they, they can't comprehend that that's even a possibility that he could have come from another planet. But this is also the point, just skipping slightly forward to the next bit, where I realise, and I think everyone is meant to realise, that this big boss guy, um, he Dr. knows Zayas, something. Yeah, yeah. He, he knows something here because he does not want – he wants this guy gelded. He wants him you know, castrated. He doesn't want yeah. this being to mate, whereas – you know, Zira is thinking, well, let's, you know, let's get something happening here. Let's do some research. He clearly knows something. You know, he yeah. he's aware of this greater greater presence. Yeah, he's and that, suspicious. that's what becomes yeah. fascinating. He's suspicious. What what I like too is that, and Taylor addresses this later in the movie, he's the he's the chief science officer, but the defender of the faith. Mm. And he says that I don't see any conflict at all because <laughs> it's an unusual unusual little union of titles there but which across the whole thing thing i do struggle with because i'm not a massive into religion or any of those kind of things so there is this big complex um guess debate around that and i think that progresses through it and you do need to again you need to focus to understand that whole debate in here yeah well that kind of leads us from from that when he escapes so do you remember when he uh he decides he, he finds out that Oh, they're gonna they're gonna give him the snip. They don't want him to mate, and then he says, "Well, I'm out of here, boys." And he yeah. he does the bolt, which and... is also the point where we we find out he can speak. So like he yeah. he does speak. Like there's a there's verbal from him because he's obviously struggled. The, the, the yeah, well, he was shot in the throat. He was so shot he in the throat. Really, yeah, couldn't he's, say anything. Yeah. He's getting his vocals back, but there's this whole thing going on before the escape. There's a there's a kangaroo court that goes on, isn't there? It was, I mean, no, it's just after that. Now, after he starts talking, it's it's after that. So he's he said he's he's finally spoken, and then the hearing uh, is is what's called for with Zira and Cornelius. And this was really interesting. The whole debate about you know, the, remember they were asking, well, I, I'm I'm not. He was saying that I don't know anything about your culture. And the ape the ape was telling him, yes, why do men have no souls? Why was the 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 spark in the only in the simian brain was you, you think about how re- world is now was man is that sort of that spark yes. with the soul and we're supposed to be like that so it's that whole upside down arrangement there and dr zayas accusing zira of performing experimental brain surgery and then her her reply to that was well can, can uh, he can think and reason how can i do that like, he's he's obviously they were saying oh, is he the missing link which is a term he didn't like about himself so <laughs> it was and 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 during during that the court they they mentioned the fact that he was he had two companions with him and they remember they went down to see guys let's see if we can if you can recognize any of your fellow travelers and this is what we heard did you know about this? No, I, I swear, I never saw this man before. 
but they... You did it. You cut up his brain, you bloody baboon! So this is when he sees Landon for the first time, and he notices that he's had – it looked like they've performed a lobotomy. Lobotomy, yeah. So the argument in the, in the, among the fans of this movie is he, had, he did have a, a head injury. You notice in the scene in The Hunt, he gets taken away. There's blood on the top of his head, the same spot where that scar was. So was he speaking? Was he, they said that they performed surgery to save his life and then turned him into a mute in the process. So that that was interesting there, and then where they returned to the court, and it was that it it becomes the kangaroo court. He's, there's they're, they're accusing Zira and Cornelius of 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 heresy, and 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 they're trying to think of a way. How do we deal with this this person, this news, this man? Yeah, and it's that point where you go. This is you kind of need to literally. You talk about it being you know up on its head, right? The whole everything's upside down. The apes are in charge, and they've got the soul, and they've got the the voices. And you've, you're also sitting here in this courtroom situation where this, this what they think is a, you know, a mute human, human is able to speak and he tries to essentially represent himself and talk for himself. And essentially yeah. he shows so much reason that they doubt his very knowledge or, or, or existence. It's, it's this real parody of what you kind of expect to go on. You kind of expected at that point that he would show so much reason he would overpower them, but actually he showed so much reason they completely wanted to shut him down and bring it out, which is where yeah. you realise that there is there's a greater thing going on here. There's some, you know, knowledge of the past. There's some knowledge of some scripture, if you want to call it that, From that Zayas. actually yeah, speaks Zayas, of this. Sure. Yeah. Do you remember when he started talking and the and the the the, the president of the court was the whoa? <laughs> he goes, what the heck's going on here? And he looks down and he goes, "Tell bright eyes to stop talking." Yeah. <laughs> but, but again, he, that that's what's fascinating to me. It's so well done that. You can imagine, as weird as this is, you can imagine a Planet of the Humans movie um, by apes watching what we do today, and you think that yeah. and that we've got apes and they're not speaking. That's exactly what they're expecting. Yeah. And all you need to do whenever you're wondering how this could be real is you think, just switch it around and imagine that we're all you know holding court with this ape yeah. and it speaks, and that would be our reaction Absolutely. as, as Absolutely. vocal humans. But yeah. then then after that kangaroo court, he he works out a way to escape, and it's very well done. But he also does not just willingly go. He wants to take the girl, yeah. which, I mean, I'm just sitting there going, good on you because, like, she's a good sort. Yeah. But there's really no <laughs> other reason to it than him wanting to yeah. ensure. But I, what I thought, apart from my, my initial thought was, of course, mate, you know, do your best. But then I thought, he's actually deep down, though. He's a scientist, right? And Stuart's gone. So yep. if there is anything to happen here, Yep. He's using his brain. He's gone, we're going to need, I'm going to need to yeah. mate. Dr. Zayas refers to that later in the movie saying, he goes, I didn't realise man could be monogamous. And he goes, on this planet, it's easy, he says later on. <laughs> but in, in, in that scene, so they've escaped and what they're doing is they're, they're going to go back into the forbidden zone. So with Zira and Cornelius, they're fugitives as well now. Yes. After that court case, they knew that they were they were gone anyway. So they're taking him now to his the dig that he he did in the forbidden zone into so that Cornelius is, is clearly this you know progressive scientist who He's actually an archaeologist. Yeah. Wants to wants to discover the the past. He wants to uncover the. The, the truth it's kind of like the you know um big bang versus science theory that goes on in in, in the real yeah. world um so he he's got this place that he's been before this cave that he's dug at before and he goes there to show them 
these things. He goes there to show them the things that he's discovered and uncovered, uh, everything from, you know, um, uh, materials through to even a doll. I mean, yeah. it's quite a well-structured scene. See, Zira is kind of um, saying to him that, you know, he, Taylor actually confirms his theories. And then he goes, oh, look, do you want to get my head chopped off? Like just just him voicing these these theories from what he found yes. has already put him in jeopardy. But having Taylor there and them discovering that the further he digs, the more advanced things become. Remember, he goes, oh, this the finding was, oh, this guy had a pacemaker and he wore eyeglasses. So he was very fragile, but he was here before you. So this kind of supports it, but then there's the whole Dr. Zayas stepping in and saying, "Well, it's is it? Well, why didn't man survive then? If if they well, where what happened here?" So, and, and I think the, the the interesting thing is here. Um, you skip forward to the end, and there's a, there's a massive spoiler that, that we we expose. But right now, in this point of the movie, Stephen, I'm still not understanding yeah. what what has happened. So. Well, I genuinely mean that at this point, even though there's a doll and all this stuff, I haven't put it all together. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, that's good because how it, how that resolves, we know what happens. They have um, they, he holds Zayas hostage, ties him up. He goes, "Look, I want food and water for a week and a horse." And then him and Nova they're heading out, and he he has a quick little conversation with with Doctor Zayas before he heads off on the horse. The Forbidden Zone was once a paradise. Your breed made a desert of it ages ago. It still doesn't give me the why. A planet where apes evolved from men? There's got to be an answer. Don't look for it, Taylor. You may not like what you find. Now, that to me is that's one of the best lines of the movie where Zayas knows more than what he's letting on. He knows something, and we'll, we'll, we'll unpack that it's a little bit. It's also a later. massive setup for a sequel. I mean, it's. Well, that that does happen, but do you it, know it, what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's one of those things where you go, like I've got some closure to this coming, but what? How is this over? Yeah. Um, but he because, just sort of mentions the fact that yeah, the Forbidden Zone was once a paradise, and you guys stuffed it up, and you know you're not going to like what you find out there. Which brings us to that final scene, which is I got to tell you one of the best endings to a movie that I've ever seen. It's I'm not such, going to disagree with you, mate. Yeah, it's such an incredible revelation that you find. And again, we're going to, we're assuming that you're listening to this, <laughs> you've seen the movie, that you, he sees that he's been on Earth the whole time. He sees the Statue of Liberty, and here's his reaction. Oh, my God. I'm back. I'm home all the time. We finally really did it. You maniacs! You blew it up! Ah, damn you! God damn you all to hell! So that pretty pretty heavy duty stuff going on there with yeah. he's realizing what i like about that's how they shot that was really really good because you see he's approaching this thing that you don't you can't tell what it is you remember it's that you sort of the the yeah yep. so you see this sort of what turns out to be the torch and then it cuts across and you see then the the thought like the spikes of the of her crown mm -hmm. and it and it pans across 
And then you think, what is he looking at? Yeah. And then it the, the you see that that tilt shot of then the Statue of Liberty standing there in the middle of the beach, and you realise he's been on Earth I, the whole time. I 100% agree. Great ending to a movie because three things in my mind, three big things happen. One, the big reveal visually, right? Yeah. So well shot, visually brilliant. Secondly, for, for him, it, it closes out that very opening scene where he talks about, you know, what could happen and what needs yeah. to happen. Well, like it, it, it really closes that out. But it also and his theory was correct. Like two thousand years into the future, yeah. this is what what Earth's like right now. So that that was, I loved watching this movie with my kids. Like I remember yeah. watching it with my son Aaron, and then my later my daughter Haley, and watching their faces when they see and. It's just amazing. It's like a goggle box moment when thinking, oh, yes. my God, they're on Earth. And the other thing it does is it closes out a lot of the missing links of the whole movie where it's like yeah. how the planet apes and da-da-da. There's a lot and of things you realize. What did you do? Man, what did you do to yourself? You, what have you done here? And, and, and I can see how if the movie flopped, it, it doesn't need a sequel. But I can understand right. that it poses enough questions to present them. But let me let – me, and, and I, this is annoying to say now because I wish I'd – you know, written it to you or something, but yeah. believe me, please, that during the very opening scenes where they're crashing and everything, I'm going, yeah. have they just crashed on earth? Like, <laughs> I really, you thought that I, I remember thinking wow. maybe this, maybe this thing is just, you know, done a big loop and it's come back ah. and that's oh, what right. happened. So you suspected that. Did you? I literally, but, but to be very clear, I suspected yeah. it and then didn't think about it at all, all right. for the whole movie. Okay. Right. I thought about it during the crash and the landing and, you know, they're coming ashore and he puts the flag down. It was that point where I went, this could be completely useless, mate, if you're actually yeah. on earth <laughs> because you've got no proof you're not yeah, was, right. was all I was working with. Right. Okay. But, but that, that moment of shock, um, I think I mentioned uh, online that, that I'd watched this and yeah. some, I think it might've been in Rigby or some, one of our, yeah. our regular listeners yeah. said something like, you know, how could you have not known that was coming? I honestly, no, yeah. had no idea. Had no idea that was coming. Interestingly, would you agree that's that's like telling someone about that's a bit of a spoiler? Would you say massive spoiler? Ma okay. Yeah, but would but you agree yeah. with that? Yes, no, no, but 100%. Listen, yes, yeah, that is a spoiler. Yes. I'll let you know when they when they re-release this film on DVD and Blu-ray over the years. Did you would you did you know the cover of this movie had the Statue of Liberty on it? What the cover of the movie? I'll say it again, had the Statue of Liberty on it. Like, worst spoiler ever. They might as well release Sixth Sense and say, by the way, he sees dead, people. dead the whole time yeah. on the cover. That this, I'm serious. Star Wars, Darth Vader. Yeah, Darth Vader's Luke's dad. Yeah, that's right. But because, but let me be clear, Stephen's a massive Star Wars fan. Um, that that's that's the biggest thing in in his life is that that spoiler. I put, I now put this. I now understand this to be yeah. as big a spoiler. As those two, the sixth sense, of course, Star Wars and and Planet of the Apes. I, I put those as the top three I'm aware of. Fair enough, too. And just just on that too, remember back in the the scene where he looks to uh, wants to see a map. He goes, "You got maps? Yeah. You see the map, and it's roughly looking like New York, the three borough, the the five boroughs of New York." Oh, so based that. on that map, now I have to watch it again. Okay, based on that map, the ape city was in New Jersey. 
Right. Because then he walked along the coastline and saw the Statue of Liberty. So that, that's what all the fans have worked out, that most of the film must have taken place in New Jersey if that was uh, if that's where he bumped into the Statue of Liberty. But <laughs> Do you reckon they really went to that much trouble when creating the movie to actually – I don't know. I don't know. But I love those little bits of information. But let's go, let's go to the favourite quotes. Did you catch the line? There's a lot of good lines to catch here, mate. What's the first one you saw? Oh, I, you the, the, the most important one for me – Again, now in reflection, but I wrote it down at the time it was said was they've landed. Um, I think one of the one of the crew says, "Where are we?" And he says, and in the most brilliant, well voiced line, he says, "It's not a question of where we are, more when we are." Yeah. And again, you look at that and you go, "Hello, spoiler alert!" Like that's yeah, that's actually in the same context that sums up the yeah. the movie. Off the back of that, Taylor says to him, "Look, mate, accept it. Everything, everyone you knew has been dead for twenty centuries. Accept it. You'll sleep better. So yeah. we're here to stay. This is life." Yep. Uh, so that was a great quote. He, here's one of my favourite quotes too. Shut up, you freak! Julius, you. I said, shut up! It's a madhouse. A madhouse. Love that line. But that, that's where he's getting hosed. Because they take they've took Nova away from him yep. and put her in the other cage, and he's just lost it. He's uh, he reached that point where it's a it's a madhouse. Yeah, just quickly too, um, one of the other things that dawned on me, you know, partway through the movie was that the mute humans were in fact mute. There was a part where I thought yeah. maybe they don't speak; they're not allowed to speak in front of the apes, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And you wonder whether at some point he and Nova are going to have a conversation. But you realise as you get through it, no, no, this is yeah. this is it. This is this is it for him. That's that's. He has no way of communicating with this girl. It's uh, fascinating. But then you, you skip forward, and I I think this line, I heard it, and I realised it was actually an iconic line in, in movie history. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. An because amazing that, line. That, and that came at a that's point That's that kickback, where, right? Yeah. That was really a... Uh, like a huge twist in the for them for he being able he being able to speak was like yes he could finally talk i'm thinking yes come on taylor so that that was mm. a, an iconic line which i'm sure you've heard before even watching this movie it yep. was actually voted number 66 in the top 100 movie lines of all time by the american film institute so wow up there now i think this is my this quote is right near the end of the movie is uh, when Zayas is tied up and he asks Cornelius says reach into my scroll and he sort of sums up what they they consider of what what their opinion of man is with this quote beware the beast man for he is the devil's pawn alone among God's primates he kills for sport or lust or greed. Yea, he will murder his brother to possess his brother's land. Let him not breed in great numbers, for he will make a desert of his home and yours. Shun him. Drive him back into his jungle lair, for he is the harbinger of death. So this was in their scriptures. So he said in the sacred scrolls, which is kind of their version of the Bible, that's what that's the reputation man had in that time, in the 2,000 years that they weren't there. So it uh, really sort of sums up, again, the whole theme of the movie is how 
even even Taylor asked, yes, does man still make war against his brother? Do as as he said in that quote, you know, they made a desert of, of these try to take your brother's land, all this sort of stuff. So uh it was kind of a little bit of a morality tale. He sort of, you know, yeah. man, if you're not careful, you can you're gonna ruin the joint. And that's and that that's, could be environmental, however I'm you still want to interpret that. Blown away that yeah. we're having that conversation in nineteen sixty eight. Yeah. In terms it's of peace, still, war, environment. Yeah. It's yeah. the same bloody theme. Absolutely. That's why that's why I say it holds up so well, because the yeah. theme applies, like you said, to to 2021. Let's move on now to how did that happen? Some plot holes here. My first one, and tell me if you agree with this. You mentioned that the ship it looked a bit dated, uh, the set sets and all that, but what it looked dated to me, Taylor smoking a cigar on the ship. Oh, yeah. He had a big cigar. Remember at the start? <laughs> yeah. Is that really Imagine what, smoking what in an enclosed in cabin. <laughs> yeah. Like, mate, can you just wait till you get yeah. off? It's like yeah, a plane. Just... Yeah, no smoke. Although they did have smoking on planes back then, I guess. Oh, no, but still, in, a, in such, a, such a small enclosed space. And I yeah. don't know whether this is, again, me overthinking something, but there was a point they get, they get off, they unload all this gear as best they can. They've yeah. all got these really cool, weird metal backpacks. They, they get ashore, they look in them, they work out what they've got. They've got some guns, they've got some medical stuff. They've got a bunch of things in these three backpacks. They're walking along. When they get to the scarecrows, only two of them have got backpacks. Yeah. And, and, and that was, was, there, a, was there a scene that was cut where we lose a backpack? I mean, no. or, or did I miss something? Yeah. That's been noted by others. I've seen, I've seen, I've noticed that myself. My explanation is possibly, remember at the start, they said, oh, but we've only got three days of supplies and then the groceries run out. They say, uh, so perhaps that the supplies of one of their backpacks, they've already used it up. So whether they tossed it or not, I'm not sure. Apparently though, the backpack reappears when they go have, before they have the swim and when they find the jungle. So uh, yeah, that might be a little bit of an error there, but I liked it when they first saw. Remember when he caught when Dodge calls out to them and he sees the little plant. He goes, "Look, life!" And what do they do? They dig it up. <laughs> they just rip it out of the ground. <laughs> Mate, you should uh, again scientists, right? It's 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 them going right. What is this? Is it sustaining life? You know, that's what scientists do. Yeah. Now we've already established, right? They were on Earth the whole time. Mm. So wouldn't they have noticed the moon? That, well, that's uh, one big uh, big argument. Although at the start, Dodge says because remember they were trekking through the Forbidden Zone for however many days. Dodge does say at the start that he goes, "There's this strange luminosity at night, but there's no moon." So I don't know whether the moon has left our orbit or what in the two thousand years. But it is two thousand years, but moon, it's been there long enough now. They even say to him, uh, he goes, is that Bellatrix or whatever the sun? He goes, no, it's too white. He goes, they were looking at their own sun. So they, they even mistook our own sun for another star. But yeah. you, I reckon that's kind of one of the things people question. Wouldn't they have known they were on Earth already? They would have seen the moon. Anyway. Yeah. Dr. Zayas, did he need to be so scared of Taylor? Do you think that was that well, – so what was I, Taylor going to do? I read into it that he – as this kind of senior leader and, you know, chief scientist has access to more information, more data, more um, words, more written stuff that's hidden. You know, it's like the Forbidden Scrolls. He, he's read more. He knows yeah. what happened. So in my yeah. mind, he knows man is dangerous. And so he well, sees man, this. Yeah, right. Correct. He yeah. sees this guy as a, a link to the past and therefore a potential huge danger to them once again taking over and ruining the place again. That's I think he also refers to he goes, Oh, where there's one man, you see another and another and another. He sort of was uh, was very cautious. He was kind of was yeah. the was the cockroach approach. Where there's one, there's hundreds. So let's get yeah. rid of them all. 
But uh, next up, could they have explored the Forbidden Zone? The apes I'm talking about. It it was I think Cornelius says it was deemed deadly by the by the lawgivers, and Zaius even asked. Remember when after the court hearing where Zaius invited um, um, Taylor into his office for that little chat? He goes, "Tell me where are your women? Is there another jungle on the other side of the Forbidden Zone?" Mm. So why don't you reckon they would have maybe launched an expedition and gone to explore the Forbidden Zone? Kind of that's that's the thing that makes no sense without either seeing the whole plot story through sequels and whatnot to understand it, or whether or not it's just a big gap in the thing, which is there's just no way any species, man or ape, would simply bunker down. Like, it just doesn't make any yeah. sense. You, well, you would think... send out search parties. Your Corneliuses of the world yeah. would would go, go forth. Absolutely. But well, because it's well, written yeah. in their scripture, essentially, maybe it's because of what happened and because of the – the style of, of disaster that they absolutely avoided at all costs. Yeah, I think when he asked that question, is there another jungle on the other side of the Forbidden Zone? I think they made it the Forbidden Zone. It's forbidden for a reason because they know there's stuff out there that you that might give away what's going on. Yep. So they he made it forbidden for a reason, I guess. But he he I think he's the his curiosity got the better of him. Wanted to know about if there potentially another jungle on the other side of it. But anyway, uh, the other question is exactly how much time had passed. Yeah, so two thousand years, and they get in that cave. And you'd assume that doll's been there for quite a while and it still talks. That's <laughs> well, a long-life battery I want to get, mate. No, but I, did it talk or did it make that kind of sound of a squeezy toy? That's what I thought it was. Well, I did thought it, it was more it of a squeezy toy. The string, did she pull a string or did something to I, it? I, I thought Does it was it a squeeze. To do that? No, I thought it was a squeeze and a noise from those kind of squeezy dolls. So okay, right. I, I think You're it familiar with the squeezy dolls, are you? Is that right? Mate, you, I think, I think it would have biodegraded in some way. <laughs> Well, the, the manufacturer of that doll, hats off. 2,000 <laughs> years later, still going all right. Now, did you notice mm. on their uniforms, did you see what the logo said on the uniform? No. It didn't say NASA. NASA. It said ANSA, so a little anagram of NASA. Oh. So it said ANSA, which stands for the American National Space Administration. So right. that was uh, not NASA. It was ANSA. Rather than NASA, you got to remember, man didn't land on the moon till the following year. In the real world, yes, so in made, real yeah. life, man was on the moon a year later. Right. Uh, and did you also notice that there was a bit of a class system among the apes? So yeah. you notice that the gorillas were sort of more the military and police officers, the chimps were more doctors and scientists, and the orangutans were your lawyers and politicians. Mate, I didn't so, even notice there was three types of apes. Well, that well, Doctor Zayas was an orangutan, <laughs> so he was one of the politicians and lawyers, whatever. Uh, Doctor Zero, I've got to watch it again now. Zero and Cornelius were chimps, so they were the yep. scientists, doctors, and the military were the remember the hunt at the start. They were all gorillas, so they were the, they were sort of doing all the grunt work. But yeah, there's something new on multiple watches. You do pick up these things. Now, here's my favorite. Did you notice that you are gonna be really fascinated by? Okay. And it refers to a movie that you know. The one movie you know very well is Shawshank Redemption. True? Yes, absolutely. So you've seen Shawshank Redemption many times. Would it surprise you to know that the president of the court was played by a man named James Whitmore, who was Brooks? In Shawshank Redemption, remember Brooks, oh, the, the old, old guy, guy yeah. used to look after the birds. He's the guy who got who paroled and he committed suicide. Remember after he was yep. paroled, the old yep. guy. 
Yeah, I know. What's he's it? got a kind of a very, um, very, very droopy face. He's, yes. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the president of the court. So the guy in the middle, he was the one who says, "Ah, bright eyes, stop talking." That was he was the president of the court. Was James Whitmore from Shawshank Redemption? Mate, he had an ape face on. How would I have recognised well, that? It's it's the same actor. Did you also notice while we're in the court? Okay, there's one scene where Zira was off on a rant, and the three orangutans, the three apes on the table. One of them covered their eyes, one of them covered their mouth, one of them covered their ears. So it was the see no evil, hear no evil, speak, speak no, no evil. evil, famous sort of that we've seen that portrayed with three mm. three monkeys. Mm. That was a scene apparently that the director, they suggested, they said, oh, let's give it a go, see if it works, and they kept it in. Wow, there you go. There's also, and look, multiple watches of this movie, you pick up a lot of stuff, including some some pretty bad mistakes. There's a yep. there's a really uh, there's equipment visible in in one of the scenes. Do you remember the scene where Taylor escapes and he runs through the funeral and he runs through the museum where all the yes. all the statues they're not really statues there you can see them moving right, but there is one scene in that portion in the museum where you can actually see a light stand in the corner. The bottom right hand corner <laughs> is as, as clear as day, big silver pole with a wheel on the end of it. You see you see that in the, in the on the in that corner of that shot. Moving on to things you might not know, Trev. Yep. Kim Hunter, who played Zira, she was an Academy Award-winning actress. Apparently, she was extraordinarily claustrophobic. So being in that makeup was a real wow. issue for her. Yeah. She So much so, she needed to take a Valium before each day of production to be able wow. to cope with having all that amount of prosthetics on her face. Now, I know that you really enjoyed the ending with the Statue of Liberty. Yep. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of conversation about who came up with that ending because the original the original book ended totally differently. The original book, the the guy's a French author. The book ended with these two space tourists coming back to the, the book and the movie. By the way, are totally different. The, the in the book, the the apes have a, they're a lot more technologically advanced. They've got like a multi level society, and it's a lot more it's a lot like real life rather than sort of this more primitive life. Okay. And the ending of the book was them returning to Paris, and the world being populated by apes instead right. of humans. Now, remember we mentioned the Mark Wahlberg version. Back yep. into the 2001 version, yep. that was a bit more faithful to the book. Oh. So he comes back to Earth, and if you haven't seen it, go see it. Comes but back yeah, to that Earth. is more faithful How to. Did he get back to Earth? You're there already. I don't know. Well, he got back to his time or something. And he, he's and wow. the book being the world populated by apes, sort of you know the an apes president, and the in the Mark Wahlberg version that that is more faithful to the book. Now, John Chambers, who I mentioned earlier, who was in charge of the makeup, won an honorary Oscar for the makeup. There was another film uh, that he was portrayed in, uh, directed and starring Ben Affleck called Argo. Argo was a, a true story about Americans formulating a plan to get hostages out of Iran. Okay. Now, what they did, they formulated a plan to, they, get, they made up a fake movie and were, were going to bring the Americans out and pretend that they were producers. But to do that in this film, they had to come up with a script, a poster, all uh, producers. So they had to make up all this stuff. Mm. John Chambers was actually in real life involved in that. He helped 
come up with the with the ideas and the the the, the sketches for the film. So he played a part in real life wow. of saving these hostages from Iran. Wow. And at the time as well, would you believe part of his job was making disguises for members of the CIA whenever they had to go undercover. Now, John Chambers, uh, he's a pretty busy guy back then. Now, you mentioned uh, that this, it did spawn a few sequels, and there are five, se- five movies in this first bunch of Planet of the Apes films. It, the, the thing with these movies is they form a circle. They actually right. they start with Planet of the Apes, then there's uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, which is the sequel. Then there's Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, no, Return to the Planet of the Apes, Conquest, and then Battle for the Planet of the Apes. The middle one involves Cornelius and Zira re-salvaging uh, re- Taylor's ship and flying backwards in time, back to his time. Oh. And so he, he land, they land on a beach in America in the, in the 70s <laughs> and – they ended up having they had a baby who then then creates this race of apes that can talk. So it's sort of it's it's a bit of a mind twist, but that's why the movies form a circle. So the end of the movie is actually the end of the fifth movie is the start of the of Planet of the Apes again. So they it goes this this cycle. But anyway, oh wow, you really yeah yeah. You, if true fans will watch oh, all. Of them, no, I see what you're saying now. Yeah. The, the original wow. movie was by far the best, but the others are good. I, I really enjoy that one. Escape from the Planet of the Apes, that was a pretty good one. And it does also mention Hessline. Hessline, remember at the start it was mentioned the Hessline theory? Hessline was a scientific officer in this movie trying to uh, yeah work his way in this film as well. But that's uh, Planet of the Apes, mate. Let's have your wrap-up and rating. What do you think? Oh, man, I'm giving it a solid 9 out of 10 because I appreciate its age so well. Um, I loved the story. It kept me gripped, and mate, just the ending just absolutely blew yeah. me away. So I'll beat it. Yeah, I'm I'm right up there with you. Well, it's in my top five, mate. This is a, this is a solid solid nine point eight for me. It's 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 almost a, a ten out of ten, but uh, it, it is as I mentioned. I think in one in my top probably top five movies, my favorite films, Planet yeah. of the Apes is up there. So. I highly recommend this to anyone, and I love recommending it to people and and they telling me how much they enjoyed it, just like you did and my kids did, unless they're just being nice to me. But I think uh, no, I think on this it's, one, it's quality, on quality. This one, movie. They're being they're being real with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we have it, mate. That's uh, Planet of the Apes. I'm so glad you finally got to see this. It's very satisfying knowing that you've seen this movie now. But strap in for next week we're going to be talking about a more recent movie from 1989 dead poet society starring robin williams and directed by australia's very own peter weir so i can't wait for this one because i'm a massive robin williams fan going back to mork and mindy so but i certainly haven't (laughs) haven't enjoyed much more than mrs doubtfire in in his in his movie career so yeah Yeah. looking forward to this one a lot because i know it has a lot of a lot of respect Good on you, mate. It's been great chatting with you uh, about Planet of the Apes. So happy you've seen it now and look forward to joining you next week for Dead Pilot Society. Get it on Fetch, folks. And if you haven't got a Fetch, check them out at uh, all the big leading retailers or ask your telco, your ISP, your NBN provider, whether or not they provide Fetch as part of your subscription.